This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, June 16th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. The Federal Reserve is accelerating its interest rate hikes to combat historically high inflation. Cato's Norbert Michel details how the Fed was late to the party and what its dual mandate and expanded powers following the financial crisis might mean for Fed policy going forward. What is the most productive thing that we can uh, take away from the Fed now appearing to ramp up in taking this uh, inflation situation dramatically more seriously? That they're not going to wait. They're not going to let it get worse. Um, I think you you would have a bigger problem if they had held to their current course or their previous course, rather, uh, saying, you know, it's going to be fine. It's going to take care of itself. We're tightening slowly. <laughs> um it was it was becoming obvious that inflation was getting faster, uh, not slower. So had they continued to wait, I think they probably would have we would have had an even higher chance of them having to get even more aggressive, which of course runs a much bigger risk of having a recession. So, um, so it's good that they're getting more aggressive. And the Fed has indicated that they will be pursuing rate hikes on a continuous basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, in fairness, I think you could say they already had done. Um, The difference is now that they're picking up the pace, uh, which is an acknowledgement that what they were doing wasn't quite working the way they hoped it would. Um, But that's good that they're not that they're acknowledging that and that they're they're changing uh, and getting more aggressive in the face of not getting the result that they wanted. That's a good thing. As a policy matter, uh, does this say anything? The, 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 our last six months or so of experience, maybe eight months or so of experience with Fed mm-hmm. policy, does this say anything about the Fed mandate or should we draw some conclusions about maybe narrowing that mandate? Oh, yeah, I I definitely think so. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm writing up some stuff now. I mean, I think... Um, you know, part part of what I've been saying is that the the trouble that you see right now, and everybody doesn't take this away from from what's going on, but I certainly do, and I've been making this case. I'm going to continue doing it. Uh, part of what you're seeing is that they are tasked with an almost impossible task. Um, everybody just assumes that the Fed takes care of inflation, but if you actually look at what the evidence shows, uh, not only the Fed, but almost all the central banks actually have a problem just dialing in inflation. They typically don't. (laughs) Yes, they're responsible for it. Yes, there's a relationship between money and inflation, but there's a big gap between those things and the Fed precisely controlling it. Um, So, if we want to continue going, you know, if, or I should say, if we want to get out of having these kinds of problems, we should rethink what we're asking them to do. Um, so that's that's where I come down on this. Uh, for Congress, which can you know wag its finger at uh, the Fed moving too quickly, too slowly, causing recession, uh, not <laughs> aiming sharply enough at uh, one task or another, uh, you know, members of Congress aren't experts in monetary policy. Well, maybe there are a couple, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, uh, it's it's hard for Congress to second guess the Fed when they have two things that they're supposed to be doing. 
So I agree. They, for the most part, they are not monetary experts. Uh, and, and it is, it is hard for them to figure out and to hold the, or to figure out what's going on and to hold them accountable, the Fed, hold the Fed accountable. Um, on the other, another interesting piece of that puzzle though, is that I think there are probably many people in Congress who like that arrangement. They want to be able to point to the Fed. They want to be able to browbeat. Um, just for the sake of deferring their own responsibility and say, well, it's washing their hands. It's not us. It's the Fed. We gave that job to the Fed. The Fed's not doing their job. Um, so they, you know, they have some, they, they have a nice convenient way of ducking culpability. Um, and I think that's a problem too. Well, it, it is, it looks a lot like Whenever uh, Congress doesn't like the way an, a, an administrative agency has applied uh, their vague laws to regulating. That's right. No, this, it, it, this, this is definitely not an exclusive of the Fed problem. <laughs> Many people are complaining that the Fed is late to the party here in terms of trying yeah. to uh, uh, deal with inflation. You know... Yeah. Monday, Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking aside, do you think that's true? Yeah, I do. And um, did you think it was true when they were not arriving at the party when you thought they should have been at the party? <laughs> I So I'm I'm on record. People can go look this up. Uh, in November, I wrote a piece and I said, look, based on where inflation and total nominal output are, um, they're basically right back to or above trend from the pre-pandemic trend. That says it's time to start clamping down on inflation. And they should probably start maybe like in December or maybe January. So I said that in November. <laughs> um, and And they waited until March. So I... You know, in the grand scheme of things, eventually, I think we'll all look back and waiting those extra couple of months, uh, extra few months was maybe not the calamity that it seems to be at the moment, but it was definitely a mistake. You could say it was a mistake now. And, and going forward, how is it possible for them to do a better job? Well, that's that's going to be tricky. I mean, they're they're they 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 do not have a clear mandate. They have a lot of discretion. They're under a lot of political pressure to do things or to at least pretend that they're doing things that I really don't think that they can effectively do economically. Um, if they don't get inflation back in the neighborhood of you know two to three percent in another year or so. Um, then they're going to have an even bigger political problem than what they have on their hands right now. Um, and, and look, maybe in the long run, that's good. Maybe that's enough to focus some attention on them in a way that hasn't been, uh, focused on them in, in quite some time and to get some policy, some positive policy changes. To what extent are we still dealing with the overhang of the policy expansion of the Fed? in 2007, 2008, 2009? That's a great question. And I think the, the accurate answer is to a pretty large degree. Uh, you have a, a new operating framework in place 
that they put in place then, and it was supposed to be on an emergency sort of basis. Uh, lots of people, myself included, said we should get rid of this as soon as possible. They didn't. <laughs> um, and so, so there, and not only is it the operating framework, but it's the entire mindset. Um, the mindset that, that you were able, or, or that, that the, they, they produce lower inflation than they thought they were going to produce with every policy move that they made. Therefore, in their minds, therefore, it was okay to keep going. And that, to me, is absolutely crazy. Um, but that's, that's where they were. That's what they did. That's that's how they operated, and and it, I think it has a whole lot to do with the very slow recovery and the below average inflation after '08, as well as the operating framework that they put in place. The new framework. It's probably helpful to understand. Uh, the Fed dramatically increased its balance sheet, began paying interest on reserves at depository institutions, and since 2008. As you note, uh, they haven't really done anything to back away from those new tools that they gave themselves. That's right. And the biggest piece of that is the paying of interest on reserves. That is now the primary control, monetary control tool that they have that's completely different from prior to 08. Um, and they thought or argued that they had more control or at least as much control with that instrument as they did previously. Um, but the truth is that it was untested. It's sort of still untested, although you could possibly argue now that it's failing the test. Um, but I think it's a little early to call it. Um, more, more problematically, though, is that in a higher inflation and or rising interest rate environment, what that tool means, that interest on reserve tool means, is that in order to cap inflation or to keep a lid on inflation, the Fed is going to have to pay out increasingly more money on reserves. Well, that means they're going to have to pay out more money to large financial institutions. Politicians like Elizabeth Warren, are very, who are very vocal, are not going to like that. And frankly, nor should they. Um, because the truth is we didn't have to have this framework in place. They could have ditched it. They could have reversed course. They could have gone back to the more market-based benign version, but they didn't. So here we are. Norbert Michel directs Cato's Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>